Standish. Daniel Rogers. Kyle Schrein. Molly Murs. Derek Hoxay. Lauren Schmel. Justin Steele. Jenna Skirlock. Megan Russell. Joy Land. Jordan Isaacs. Allen County Sheriff's Deputy. Kavani Jr. Our daddy. We're giving a shout out to our small group member, Rachel, who's a nurse right now. We appreciate her. Thank you, Rachel. Woo! We love our nurses, just like our mom, Carlin Fowler. Mike, Mike Callum. Jason Cooper. Karen Lancaster. Angie Bowman. Kim Jones. Jessica Tallman Young. Mark Garrett. Christine Melvin. Carrie Evelyn. Thank you, Daddy. Kelly Warren. Emily Brown. Anda Carlo. Mark Garrett. Dr. Kim Lentz. Dr. Justin Fuller. Thank you, Nurse Hart and Dr. Hollimer. Dr. Jason Cooper. Amy Bull. Becky Hanish. Aaron Glazier and Dane Standish. Brooke Long and Laura Bowman. Lawan. Justin and Katie Anderson. Julie and Ashley Huddleston. And Emily Dunkel. Thank you, Dr. Jason Cooper. Addie, Addie Hill. Hill. Dale Rolfson. Thank you, Mommy. Dr. Daniel Anderson. Sarah, Kelly, and Lindsay. Daddy! Dr. Channing Burks Chapman in Cleveland, Ohio. And Dr. Kirsten Burks in Boston, Mass. Carly Van Hoy and Samantha Keene. Daniel Meyer. Blair and Lauren Suter. Tyler Matthews. My aunt, Megan Martin. Carrie Yaroshevsky. Dr. Alicia Boone and Dr. Heather Kim. Our son, Dr. Joe Thomas. Jennifer Markowitz. Lizzie Demerly. Les Wilson. Tyler and McKenna Sura. And Anna Mae Fezwick. Cindy Wilson and my sister, Dr. Terry Schultz. Barbara. My brother, Tyler Matthews. Jesse Vickery. Holly Dory. And Carcar. Thank you, Chrissy, Melissa, and Ryan. To all our public safety and medical professionals who serve on the church safety team. Mommy. Chantel McLaughlin. Thank you, Lisa Faust. I love you. To all my girls who are nurses, Lizzie Grimm, Jen Mitchell, Rachel Boyer, Lindsay Burrow. I love y'all. Thanks so much for being on the front lines. Wow. Well, we just want to add our voice to all of that gratitude right now. And I just want to look right into the camera and say thank you to all of our medical professionals and their families, uh, everybody who's a first responder on the front lines of this thing in any way, shape or form. And we are so, so grateful to you. Thank you so much. And uh, I just want to wish all of you a very Happy Easter. I know that this is uh, unlike any Easter that we've ever experienced, but the tomb is still empty and God is still on his throne. And I just want to welcome everybody, uh, wherever you may happen to be joining us from around our city and all over the world. We're so glad that you're here. Well, uh, 
It was Easter and they had quarantined themselves. They, they sat in a room upstairs and they waited for the time to pass and they wondered when it might be safe to go outside once again. Just a few weeks prior to this, they never could have anticipated how much their lives would change and yet uh, it had changed all so quickly and they sit in this room and they try to keep their distance from other people and they are desperately looking for some updated news that might bring some rays of hope. It looked like they were going to be in there for a little while. And they could feel the, the thoughts of uncertainty and anxiety begin to build within each one of them as they begin to wonder what life might look like when this was all over. Now, it might sound to you like I'm describing the situation that most of us around the world are finding ourselves in here on Easter of 2020. But actually, uh, I'm talking about a group of people 2,000 years ago. I'm actually referring to a passage of scripture that I want to look at with you today out of the Gospel of John chapter 20. Because as it turns out, we actually have a whole lot more in common with the followers of Jesus on that very first Easter 2,000 years ago than perhaps we've ever had. It was several weeks ago I, I looked at my, my calendar and it dawned on me for the first time that Easter Sunday was going to fall right in the middle of the peak of this pandemic that we are currently in. And the, the reality washed over me that for the very first time ever, as a church family, we, we would not be able to gather physically together for Easter Sunday. And can I tell you that I, I could barely process that. In fact, if I'm being honest, I, I can still hardly process it. Now, now, what you may need to understand about pastors is that Easter is our Super Bowl. It's the thing that we've been training for all year long. In fact, as soon as Easter of 2019 was over, we started planning for, for this one because it's the highest attendance of the year. Everybody is so excited. We always do tons of baptisms. We have the greatest message in the world that Jesus has walked out of a grave so that you can have hope beyond yours as well. And so we always look forward to Easter. And if you would have told me uh, just a couple of months ago that I would be preaching my Easter message to an empty room, I would have told you that you're crazy. And yet here we are. It's Easter, but it doesn't look or feel much like any Easter that I've ever experienced. And, and I don't know how you're feeling about that right now. I'm sure that you're probably experiencing a whole host of emotions. Maybe you feel a little sad. Maybe you even feel a little bit depressed if you're being honest with yourself because it feels as if Easter, among a host of whole other things, has maybe been ruined or taken away by, by this virus. And yet I just want to encourage you with this truth today. I want you to know, it's simply this question, like what if Easter of 2020 looks and feels more like Easter than any other that we've ever experienced. And you might say, well, Aaron, what in the world do you mean by that? Well, uh, I, I just want you to know that on that first Easter 2,000 years ago, like us, everything was shut down. After Jesus had been crucified and put into a tomb, his followers were filled with fear, anxiety, and they were uncertain about their future. 
They, they wondered what was going to happen to them. In fact, the word is anxiety. And anxiety defined is simply this. It's a heightened sense of vulnerability plus a diminished sense of power. And that's what so many of us are feeling and experiencing right now. More than, than ever is we have this, this feeling uh, of vulnerability about circumstances that really very few of us can control. And if that's what you're feeling, I want you to know you're not alone. And I want you to know that the followers of Jesus 2,000 years ago felt and experienced the exact same thing on that first Easter. Look with me at how John describes the scene in chapter 20, verse 19. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Now, we actually have some language today to describe what the disciples were experiencing. It's, it's terminology that as a human race, we didn't really have all that long ago, but now we're, we become very familiar with these terms. We could say that the disciples in John 20 were socially distancing and sheltering at home. They were behind locked doors. And much like us, they were trying to understand how things could have changed for them so quickly. It was disorienting. Because if you remember, it had only been a week prior on Palm Sunday, where the disciples were with Jesus and they were uh, walking into the city of Jerusalem. Do, do you remember the scene? Jesus is on a donkey. Crowds of people are around them. They were well within six feet of each other. And they're laying down palm branches in front of Jesus, praising his name. They were so happy to see Jesus in the disciples. And now they had crucified their king. They had placed Jesus' lifeless body in a tomb and the disciples' whole world gets flipped upside down. Their leader is buried and dead and along with him, they feel like their hopes and their dreams. And when the rock sealed the entrance of that grave, it felt like it sealed their future as well. And now they are quarantined in this house, uncertain of what their new normal was gonna be. You see, the disciples, like many of us today, were swimming in a sea of uncertainty. You know, I'm sure that uh, many of you over the past several weeks between working at home and trying to homeschool kids and all of that, you, you've been trying to maybe figure out a way to pass the time. And I don't know, maybe you've gone to the family game closet and you pulled out some board games and maybe you played Monopoly and Yahtzee and Jenga. And maybe, maybe one of those games that you pulled out is, is the game of life. And if you've ever played the board game of life, then you know that the, the way to win the game is to constantly accumulate. It's to upgrade your house and get expensive properties and get better job and go on more elaborate vacations. And, you know, I, uh, I never really enjoyed playing the board game of life when I was growing up as a kid because you, you could feel like you were winning. And then all it took was to pull the wrong card or land on the wrong space. And then you got a job loss, your house got flooded, you got sent to jail, and all of a sudden you weren't winning anymore. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe many of you have been playing the game of life. Maybe, maybe not necessarily the board game, you were playing the game of life. Where you just felt like the, the key to happiness, the key to success is to accumulate, to climb the ladder, to acquire more and more. And you were playing the game of life until a virus came in and, and really sort of changed everything. 
And, and now you're, you're feeling a, a bit disoriented. You're feeling a little bit lost. And I want you to know that um, in John chapter 16, a few chapters prior to, to the passage that we're in today, Jesus actually, in a very pastoral tone, promised us that in this life, you are going to have trouble. But then right after that, Jesus said, I want you to take heart. I want you to be encouraged because I have overcome the world. And I don't know about you, like I've known of those words of Jesus from John 16 for a really long time. And yet every time I experience trouble, trial, difficulty, or crisis in my life, I act shocked and surprised. Like, God, where are you? And Jesus said, I told you this was going to happen. I told you you were going to pull that card. I told you you were going to land on that space. And I also told you where your hope resides. It is not in your circumstances. It is not with the ups and the downs of the stock market. It is in a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. And see, I think that that's what happens in the moments like this is that it actually shows us where we had really been putting our hope all along. And it shows us where we found our sense of peace all along. You know, I was researching this past week about the history of the word quarantine. And many of you probably know this, but it turns out that that word comes from a Latin word that means 40. And it actually derives from the 40 days that Jesus uh, prayed and fasted in the desert before he began his earthly ministry. And so the history of the word quarantine literally is a space of time in which Jesus prepared himself for his life's purpose and mission. It really had nothing to do with uh, moving, removing yourself from society because of sickness. It had everything to do with preparing your character and your heart. And I want to get back to that. I just wonder if maybe this is a span of time that all of us find ourselves in in which we can do some reevaluating of the game of life that we had been playing up until this point. And I think God wants to do a tremendous amount of life change in every single one of us. Could I just get real transparent with you right now? About 10 days ago, um, I lost it. I was trying to be strong for so many people, but about 10 days ago, uh, my adrenaline wore off, my mental strength wore down, and my emotions welled up. And uh, it was a Thursday afternoon. Uh, it was actually beautiful weather outside, but uh, I got to this place where I uh, had just reached my limits. And I calmly walked outside into my backyard and I, I got far enough away from the house to where I was confident nobody could hear me. And I stopped by a tree and I just began to weep. And I cried out to God. I mean, listen, I have not cried that hard since junior high school when I found out that Millie Vanilli had been lip syncing. All right. And I have no idea if that's funny or not because I'm in an empty room right now. So I'm just imagining that you all think that's funny. I, I think that we all probably need a good laugh, uh, even if it is a cheesy dad joke, all right? But in all seriousness, I, I stood there by that tree and the, my, my vision blurred through my tears and I began to calm down a little bit. And it was in the stillness of that sunny afternoon that I felt like the Spirit of God said to me, Aaron, you haven't spoken with me with that much emotion, passion, and focus in a really, really long time. And that hit me like a freight train. That it took a crisis 
to get me back to the heart of God. I'm reminded of what Winston Churchill said years ago. He said, never let a good crisis go to waste. And can I encourage you with that same thought? Like I would never wish a crisis on anyone, but yet there can be so much good that can come out of it. And I think, I can't presume upon what God is doing in the world, but I think that this is uh, what God is, is trying to communicate to all of us is that God in recent weeks has stripped everything uh, from us that competes with him. The Bible calls this idolatry. Now, I don't know what you think about when you think about an idol, but it's not a gold little statue. An idol can be anything. An idol is anything that replaces our focus and attention upon where it is deserved and the only one that can sustain it, which is, is God. And God has recently just stripped us from all of our idols. And so we worship the God of sports March Madness, the NBA, the Indy 500, the Tokyo Olympics have all been canceled or rescheduled. We worship the God of entertainment and Hollywood has been shut down and movie theaters are closed. We worship the God of money and the stock market has fallen and the economy has taken a beating. We worship the God of self-reliance and our personal freedom and autonomy has been restricted through lockdown. Now I want you to, to hear me really clearly. I believe without a shadow of a doubt that we will come through this and we will come out of it because God is still on his throne, but let's not miss the gift of this season either. We have never been more reliant upon God than we are right now. And as painful as that is, it is a gift that we never want to squander. Look at how John describes what happens next. I love this. This is the power of Easter. Verse 19, it says, suddenly. As suddenly as we have found ourselves in this, suddenly Jesus can enter the scene and he was standing there with them in the house and he says, first word, peace. Peace be with you. Jesus comes and that's the first thing he wants them to know. Out of all the things he could have said, he could have said, ta-da, he could have said, I'm here. He could have said, I'm back. He says, peace. Things were feeling dark and hopeless. They were confused and scared. Jesus knew what they needed. And what Jesus said to the first followers on that first Easter, I believe he wants to say to you and to me right now where you are. Now you may go, well, Aaron, we, we can't get to church. Listen, they weren't in church. They weren't, they were not with crowds of people gathered together in a church building on Easter morning. They were a small group in a living room. And Jesus brought them peace through his presence. And he can do the same thing for you today. He is right there with you in that living room, wherever you are. And he wants to speak peace into your life. And the next thing that he offers them is he offers them proof. He offers them peace, then he offers them proof. Look at verse 20. It says, as he spoke, he showed them. He didn't just tell them, he showed them. The wounds in his hands and in his side. And he gives them evidence to believe that he rose from the dead. And I want you to know today that if you believe, like if you really believe that Jesus conquered death and rose from the dead, that changes everything. And then John wraps up the, the scene by saying they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. But then Jesus found it necessary again to say to them, peace be with you. 
Jesus appears to the disciples and this is what he gives them. He gives them peace. The result is joy. And then he gives them a purpose. And don't miss that last part. And I believe that's what he wants to do today on this Easter 2020 is he wants to give you peace right now in the midst of of all the uncertainty that you're feeling. And the result of that, I hope, because of of the risen Savior, the empty tomb, is that you'll experience some joy. But then Jesus also wants to give you a purpose. He wants to focus the energy of your life and and what it is that you're truly living for. And one of the most beautiful things for me to see and to witness as a pastor over these past few weeks is to see how real and true this has been for our church family here in Indianapolis. I know that there may be people watching from all over the world, but but I want you to know that uh, our church, uh, you know, centered here in our city, They've been stepping up and they've been trying to offer peace and enjoy trying to live out the purpose that God has given to us. And I'm just seeing stories all over our city of how uh, regular people are shining the light of Jesus in the midst of really dark circumstances. I'm getting all kinds of stories of just, not, not, not just our staff, just people in our church. They are, um, they're buying and delivering groceries and prescriptions and supplies for people that can't get out, maybe the elderly or those who are on forced quarantine. They're donating food items, delivering meals, paying utility bills. Uh, We have people going down to uh, Wheeler Mission downtown to prepare bagged lunches. They need about 100 lunches a day in April. That's 3,000 bagged lunches. And we got people going down there to to pack those. We've helped provide free childcare for medical professionals in our city, delivering meals to them at the hospitals, trying to provide care packages for their families and to come around them. We we had a small group uh, right after the school closings who went and cleaned the MLK Center to prepare it for children that would need to be there uh, for IPS School 43. Our church has has given nearly $100,000 to help purchase 235,000 N95 type masks to medical professionals and first responders all over our city. We're reaching out to help other churches through this, churches that may not have the technology that we do to get their services out. We partner with a church in Harlem, New York, right in the epicenter of this pandemic, trying to help them with technology and help them with resources so they can continue to pastor their people. There's a church in East Germany that uh, God's doing some amazing things. Uh, Prior to this pandemic, they've had about 700 people showing up to their church. Now, since this pandemic, they've gone online, much through the equipment that we've helped them purchase. They're reaching 3,000 people every weekend. It's just amazing. And Jesus says in verse 21, he says, as the father has sent me, I am now sending you. And I find it interesting that the peace that Jesus offered them was tied to the purpose that he has for them. And uh, I just think that it's amazing how God is expanding our platform to reach more and more people. You know, I was a little bit nervous several weeks ago whenever, you know, we couldn't get have physical gatherings and I just wondered how church online was going to go and it has blown my mind that in the last five weeks our attendance has actually increased that our online engagement has gone up we've got just under 20,000 people every weekend on the church uh, service watching worshiping with us nearly half a million online impressions every week in fact I wanted you to check out this graphic here this is Uh, a map of the whole world. And these blue dots, if you can see it, are everywhere people are engaging with us online from around the globe. And I look at that and I just think only God. 
I, I look at that graphic and I'm reminded of Matthew 28, the Great Commission, when Jesus said, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And do you know what the initial disciples did? They stayed in Jerusalem because it was comfortable there. That was where their normal routine was. And so they stayed in Jerusalem. And so what did God allow? God didn't cause it, but he allowed persecution to come and get them out of Jerusalem so that they would go to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now listen, I don't believe that God causes pandemics, but I think he can use them to get us up and out around the world. And I believe that God has shut us down in order to send us out. And I find it ironic that church buildings are empty all over the globe on this Easter, but the message of a risen savior is being uh, listened to by more people than ever in the history of the world due to technology. Only God can do that. And listen, Church buildings may be empty, but so is the grave. And so you hold on to hope. Don't miss what God is saying to you and wanting to do in you in this moment. This is not just a season for you and I to get through. This is a season for a breakthrough. And I believe that thousands of lives are gonna be changed and impacted by what God wants to do today. See, we can live with peace and joy and purpose because the resurrection means that we have hope regardless of our circumstances. Jesus says these words in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, and I wanna encourage you with them. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone, that means anyone, whoever is listening or watching this right now, wherever you may be around the world, he's talking about you, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. That's a big statement. Jesus says, there's nothing that can touch you in this life, not even death. Because I walked out of a grave, you can have hope beyond yours as well. The resurrection says that we have hope because of Jesus, regardless of how dark the world might feel right now. That's where our hope lies. Now, I was doing some reading this past week on the CDC website about the coronavirus and actually where it got its name. And you've probably seen the magnified images of the virus and it looks like a little ball with spikes on it. And, and actually the, the word corona is this idea of a uh, crown of spiky thorns. That's kind of where it gets its name. In other words, it's the thorny crown virus. And Jesus understands what it is that we're going through right now because he wore a, a crown of thorns on a, on a cross. He bore that pain. He bore that suffering so that nothing would have the final say, including a thorny crown virus. And I, I want you to know that in Revelation, it says that there will be no more mourning, mourning there will be no more crying, there will be no more pain no more suffering because of Jesus. And today on Easter Sunday, we have hope. We have hope that one day there will be no more anxiety or anger. There will be no more fear or frustration, no more unemployment, no more isolation, no more shortage of supplies, no more depression, no more social distancing, no more quarantines, no more sickness, no more virus, 
no more death. And today, more than anything, I want you to have the hope of heaven that Jesus desires to give to you today. And so if you want to have the peace that can be found in Jesus, we would love to introduce you. And I just simply want to ask you to join me in prayer. And if you want to receive Jesus, just text Jesus to this number right here, 317-768-0777. And our team would love to follow up with you and talk with you about the best decision that you can ever make today. In fact, in living rooms all over the globe, would you just give it up for all the people right now that wants to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and their King right now today. Oh man, welcome to the family. Let me pray for you. Father, we come to you today and we're so grateful for King Jesus. We're so grateful for an empty tomb. Father, we need you more than ever. We love you. And we thank you for the hope of heaven. And I pray that people could experience the peace that can only be found in you right now today. We have joy, not because of our circumstances, but because of you. And we know that you will overcome and that we will come through this and out of this. And so God, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, to turn down the noise that is out there and to be laser focused on you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.